Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. You know, we're going to talk today about uh, courage. And really, courage is something that we need when we're trusting God in the unknown. When things don't seem to go as planned, or when we are given a curveball, so to speak, that comes and we go, I, I didn't expect that that would happen. Or when there's disappointment, when there's disruption, when there's interruption, uh, detours in life. Well, we need to have courage to keep us moving forward. And you know, all over America, there are these places called Hall of Fame. A Hall of Fame where people can be inducted or things can be inducted and celebrated for what they are. Uh, We have the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass. We have the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. I hear that's amazing. We have the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. There's people in our church that have actually gone to this Hall of Fame for baseball. Uh, maybe one day I'll get to go there. It'd be, be great to see all of it. I, I really want to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Tennessee. I think that would be uh, great. But I've got to tell you, there's this other one, and I've got to change my voice a little bit here to tell you that there's a country music Hall of Fame in Nashville, Tennessee, y'all. It's right there for you. And not to be undone, the Hockey Hall of Fame, an amazing uh, building from what I can see. But there's also lesser known Hall of Fames, like the National Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York. And they have a whole section there for Legos, Hall of Fame. But there's also, and this is not odd that it's in Las Vegas, it's the Pinball Hall of Fame with pinball machines that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. But now here's one place that might not be on your bucket list. It's the International Tow Truck Hall of Fame in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where you can go in and see tow trucks that have made the Hall of Fame. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, if you have a Bible, you'll want to turn there. It's called the Faith Hall of Fame. And it's where we read about some amazing people. They're not inducted there because of impressive stats, how many shots they could make or how many rebounds or how many goals they scored. It's not about economic status or even huge success. They were simply people who walked by faith, men and women who didn't just believe in God, but actually believed God. They trusted God, they hoped in God, and they knew his ways were better better than anything they could come up with on their own. You know, we sang it today as a part of one of our songs, where there was death, you brought life, Lord. Where there was fear, you brought courage. When I was afraid, you were there and you lifted me up. Where there was fear, you brought courage. I wonder what you and I could accomplish if we allowed the courage of God to rule our heart. I wonder where we might be risk averse. I wonder where we might live in fear, fear of sharing our faith with somebody or reaching out and serving someone else because of fear of failure 
Or I wonder where we've just grown weary and thrown in the towel, so to speak, and lost our courage. We think about the Faith Hall of Fame, people like, well, like Abel, like Enoch, who walked with God, like Noah, who built a boat and it had never rained before, like Abraham and Sarah, who seemed way too old to have children, but they're in the Faith Hall of Fame because God blessed them with children. Joseph, Gideon, Rahab, Samuel, David, and of course, a guy we've been learning from, Moses, and the lessons of his life. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, we find these words, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, by faith. By faith, Moses recognized who he was in God. Now, I don't think that Moses was upset that Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, took him out of the Nile River and brought him home. I don't think he was upset at all that when the princess needed someone to feed baby Moses, that God was orchestrating that Moses' sister would be nearby. And that Moses' sister would then run home and say, Mom, guess what? Moses that you put in the basket needs to be fed. And they would bring Mom into the palace to feed Moses every day. Just think about that. God was working. We talked about that in a previous message. Even when it didn't seem like he was working, he was making a way for Moses when there didn't seem to be any way at all. I don't think he was upset at the care that he received from the palace. But I think something was churning in his heart in regards to his identity. You see, he wasn't an Egyptian. He was an Israelite. And we'll remember that he tried to go back to the Israel people and be received by them. And what did they do? They rejected him and pushed him back. They did not receive him. And yet he saw the ill treatment that the Israelites were receiving at the hands of the Egyptians, and he had an Egyptian killed. And then from there, we know what he does. He runs and hides. He he creates his own social distancing. And he's there with the sheep, the stinky sheep on the backside of the desert. But all the while, he wrestled with this identity and his insecurity at all stages of his life. And it took him a while, but eventually... Moses recognized who he was. It wasn't what he did that defined who he was. It was God who defined who he was. Hebrews 11.25, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He could have lived in the comfortable. He could have lived in the posh palace. But instead, he decides to have a deep care and compassion for his people, the Israelites. Hebrews 11 goes on to say in verse 26 and 27, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. And it was by faith. Here's that phrase again. In the Faith Hall of Fame, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt He left the comfortable. He left the familiar. And he moved to the courageous. 
He left the land of Egypt not fearing, and I love this, the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Couldn't see God. Couldn't see all that God was doing, but he knew enough about God to know God had a plan, and God's plan included Moses in it. Hey, there's three things I want to share with you that you have to absorb. Get this into your heart. They'll be the success of your life spiritually. And the first one is to, to, to walk by, by faith, not by sight, but to walk by faith. And the second one is to live with courage, courage in your heart. You know, the Holy Spirit is called the encourager. He's the one that gives us fresh courage when ours begins to wane or to weaken. And then the third thing says, you got to keep your eyes on God. Well, now, all of these are very simple to say, but harder to live. I- I'm with you. But if you want your life to be a courageous life, if you want to live for God, we have to walk by faith. Now, I'm not going to you know, chastise anybody or get upset at anybody, because I'm guilty of this too. When something pops up and we didn't expect it, or when somebody says something to us, or there's a misunderstanding, or there's headline news that rattles our cage a little bit, we can almost push faith out the window. Can you believe this? Look at that. Can you believe this? I I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Facebook. I saw it on Instagram. Oh my gosh. And our lives are somehow, well, somehow upside down. But, but, But catch this. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by the latest news. We live with courage and we keep our eyes on God. That's real simple. Walk by faith, we live with courage, we keep our eyes on God. Now, some of you have been really close to giving your life to Christ. Some of you have been watching us online for weeks, and I want to report, and I'm celebrating this, many people have given their life to Christ while we've been online. Almost as many as when we've gathered together. So that has not diminished. I've asked other pastors, some pastors said, we have recorded zero salvations in a year's period, but we've seen many come to Christ online. Go figure. But God uses everything for his honor and for his purpose. And you know what God's number one purpose is in the world? To seek and save that which is lost, those who are lost. That's the call of Jesus' life. That was his purpose. So some of you are really close. And what do I want to do today? Do I, do I want to chastise you for not giving your life to Christ? No, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to step over the line and go all in. To say today, this is my day of salvation. This is my day to follow the Lord. Some of you have drifted from God. Let me tell you what you need to do. Step back in to his presence. Recommit yourself to him if you were. You know, not that you get to need to get resaved, but recommit yourself to him if it were. Go for it. I, I mean, I know some of you are really close. Just trust me. Just believe. Just go all in. Say, God, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to make you my Lord. Jesus, I give you my life, and I will follow you. Forgive my sins. Allow him to be your Savior and your Lord. Walk by faith. 
Live with courage and keep your eyes on God. I love this quote by Patrick Overton. It says, faith is moving all the way to the edge of all the knowledge and fear that you have and taking one more step. I mean, faith takes us right to the edge and there will be something solid for you to stand upon or you'll be taught how to fly. In other words, as you give yourself to God's hand, he will hold you. And if things go awry, it's not God's fault because what? God will have another plan. God will come through with something for you when others may fail you. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We live by courage. We live with courage in our hearts. And we keep our eyes on God. So if you're a note taker, you'll want to write this down. It's very simple, but it's also profound. That courage comes from living life in the hands of God. Where I know that I know that I know that God's got me. I know we say it a lot. Oh, you, you got this. No, listen, I'm just glad God has this. And more importantly, God has you, that God has me, because we've allowed him to be our Lord and our Savior. The first thing I want you to see about courage is it begins with fighting battles within, the struggle inside of us. Moses had that living in obscurity on the backside of the desert. And then later, because he was paralyzed by his past, when God calls him, he makes a bunch of excuses. I'm not good enough. I don't have all the answers. People won't believe me. I'm a terrible public speaker, though that is not true because Scripture says he was eloquent and he could turn a phrase. He was a great speaker. And then he said these words. Let me summarize. I'm not qualified. You know, Moses was one of the most educated people in his day. He watched Pharaoh in leadership, both good and bad lessons. He was taken care of by the princess. He was able to learn from her as well. And he still had his mom in his life. I mean, he had everything going for him, and yet there was a great, incredible insecurity in his life. You see, courage is amazing. It's contagious. And it's never too late to start on your life calling. Remember, um, Moses had the 10 spies go into the land and two more spies, 12 total. The 10 were the negative bunch. They got together and they said how bad it is. And they exaggerated how bad the giants were and how you know the terrain was. And there's no way that we can ever, ever, ever possess the promised land. These 10 people were able to sway millions. Negativity is contagious, but so is courage. Courage is contagious. Interesting that Joshua and Caleb come back and give the good report. And 40 years later, it's never too late. 40 years later, Caleb is now 85 years of age. Joshua 14 records in verse 10 and 12, now here I am, 85, I just got to pause, 85 years of age. 
I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Now, have you heard older people say that? I'm still as strong today as I was when I was 18. And we kind of chuckle. But Caleb was saying, I'm still as strong in the Lord. I'm still strong in my faith as the day Moses sent me out. And I'm just as ready to fight now as I was then. And I love this. So give me the mountain country the Lord promised me that day long ago. Give me the most difficult assignment, the largest assignment that you can. Give me the hardest city and the greatest place with the greatest giants. I'm ready to go. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. (laughs) Just think about that for your own life where maybe you've gone to the place where you said, well, you know, it didn't go so well in the past. I'm going to kind of give up. You know, there's one word that you won't find in the Bible, retirement, retirement. Now, I know some of you have retired. God bless you. I know some of you are planning on retiring. You're ordering your finances well. You're doing your best to make proper investments for the future. I know some of you are doing that. Good on you. But can I tell you something? When you retire, do what one of my friends said recently. I've retired. Now I have more time to invest in God's plan for my life. I'm not punching a clock anywhere. I'm not getting something done off the assembly line. I'm able now to focus more on what God wants for my life. I'm able to find places in the church to serve, young people that I can mentor, people that I can serve, people I can pray with and pray for. God, here I am, use me. See, at age 85, Caleb began his greatest mission. At age 80, Moses became the deliverer to set Israel free. At 79 years of age, Abraham first received his call from God. And the list goes on and on. Courage begins with fighting the battles within myself. Hey, you married guys out there, I want to just talk to you for a few seconds. What is it on the inside of you that won't let you relate properly to your wife and be all that God intended for her to have in you and through you? Hey, ladies, what is it within you that really won't allow you to tell your husband in a loving way what your needs are? Now, some of you, some of you uh, gals out there, you think that the, the, the guy understands. I mean, you think that he knows what, what you're thinking. Can I just tell you for all men, we don't know. And even when you tell us, we usually don't listen very well. Our listening skills are pretty bad. That's why a lot of times you say, uh-huh, really, really? Why don't you ask us this? What did you hear me say? Oops, busted. We, we don't know. We don't know. But would you tell us? Would you tell us? I remember years ago hearing a lady say, I've got so many personal issues that I don't talk to my husband about my life. It's just overwhelming. Well, how can he help you? And what about kids? I mean, what about students? What, what is it that holds you back from living out your dreams? You had a horrible year. I'm sorry. It was a horrible year. You got cheated out of stuff. Now, I know our schools did a great job educating you, and there was, there was a, you know, great graduations, drive-thrus, and all that. But man, you missed out on the prom. You missed out on, well, you missed out on so much. All the spring sports that would have happened. 
And we don't know what sports will look like going forward. I've read what the districts has decided, what the CIF has decided. It's bizarre. I mean, we love watching you play. We love cheering you on. We may not be able to do that for quite some time. But what is it that God wants to still do in you and through you? Don't lose your courage. Don't become fearful instead of filled with faith. And even as a church, as things are different, I really believe this. As we get to gather again, regather again, God's going to do a great work in us and through us. The church is strong. And actually, the church globally is stronger than ever before. We've recognized, and we said this for the last four months, just because the church left the building, it doesn't mean that the church stopped being the church. But what is it inside of you that needs to be corrected by God and adjusted? This is a good season to do that. And one of the things we learn is Psalm 139, verse 23. Look deep into my heart, God, and find out everything I am thinking. It was some time ago I had the privilege of meeting with a bunch of very young pastors. They were all 28 and under. And uh, they brought the old guy in, and I had a chance to, to sit in a chair like this and speak to them. We talked about life experiences, things that I had gone through. I mean, I started pastoring when I was 22 years of age, so we had a lot in common. And I came to Lompoc Foursquare when I had just turned 30 years of age to lead a church, a great church. And I told them this, whatever you do, kill your insecurities as soon as possible. And one of the guys said, well, how do you do that? I said, you understand who you are in Christ. You, you look at what Jesus said about your life and about his followers and who they were, and you allow his word to be the defining word of your life. You look at the Apostle Paul, who was anointed by the Holy Spirit and who had his own change of life and identity as he got to know Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. And you listen to the words of the Apostle Paul that talks to us about being new creation, about being strong and secure in Christ, and knowing that we have a stable foundation always to stand upon when we stand upon Jesus and we stand upon God. And I told them this, ask God often. Invite the search into your soul. Look deep into my heart, God, and find out everything that I'm thinking, and then go a step further Say, God, as you discover things in my soul, would you reveal them to me? Because I want to change from the inside out. Point out my character defects. Point out my flaws. Point out my fears. Point out my inadequacies. And take me deeper to the root of all of it. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I treat people the way that I do? Be humble and allow God to change you from the inside out. And then I looked at the young group of pastors and said, hey, I'm much older than you. I have kids older than you. But this is a lifelong journey because we never arrive until the day we stand with the Lord. And I gave them this verse. You might want to write it down. Philippians 1.6, the good things that God began in you, he's going to continue to perform. He's perfecting us. He's shaping us. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Well, I'm going to ask them anyway. What would I do for God if I was not afraid? 
What would you do for the Lord if you were not filled with fear? And what would you do for God if you knew, and I love this, you could not fail? Because oftentimes we're risk averse because we're afraid of the failure. But what if we started by saying, God, I'm going to walk into this without thinking about failure. I'm not going to be like the 10 spies. I'm going to be like Joshua and Caleb and be filled with faith. Courage begins with fighting the battles within. And the second thing is that courage is the power to let go of the comfortable. The comfortable. The familiar. See, life is an adventure in which you cannot pick the fruit unless you're way out on a limb. Some people aren't out on a limb. We can't even get some people to get in the tree. Talk about a guy who was way out on a limb. His name is Moses. He's out there doing things he had never dreamed of doing. He becomes an antagonist against Pharaoh for the good of the people. The greatest superpower in its time, the Egyptian people, the Egyptian government. And he used a simple shepherd's staff to do miracles, to watch God move, his power to lead people. But in order to live the life that God called him to live, he would have to let go of the familiar. He'd have to listen to the promises of God who said, I will be with you. He even spoke to him in a burning bush. Somebody uh, sent me an email and asked me the question about being in an awkward place as a church. Is this an awkward place? I said, I don't know what you mean. They said, no, awkward. We're, we're online. We're not regathering. I said, oh, it, it's all right. We, we will on August 2nd. Don't worry. Don't worry. Does it really change us? Does it really make us something other than who we are? And again, like I said earlier, the governor said you can't sing indoors. And, and one pastor wrote on his blog, I read it, it said, don't you think that the church is being attacked? Because we're not. What do you mean we're not? Well, He's not just saying it for the church. He's saying it for the Muslims in a mosque, Jewish people. And I was raised in Judaism. They recite the Hebrew scriptures together and responsive readings and liturgies. So it's not just one group or one religious sect that's, that's being singled out. Here's what I do know. When we do gather, and we will, August 2nd, and we will sing, August 2nd, it doesn't change our faith in God. We can't let things like that up evil up or uh, you know up, upset the apple cart so to speak. Why? Well, the words of Corey Tinboom ring out in my heart. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We're talking about trusting God in the unknown. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. God has us in his hand. God, God helped start Lompoc Forsberg Church in 1940. He's never failed the church. We don't have any signs of God, just, just our little church in our little season of time. We have no signs of God ever failing this church. Actually, we have testimony after testimony. I would bore you. Stories of people who were generous to God and gave to God, and God blessed them. Stories of people who gathered together and, and gave sacrificially to build the sanctuary 
that we have and the parking lot and the connections building and the list goes on and on. Again, I would bore you. I love talking about it, but it's kind of boring. But let me just punctuate it by this. God has been faithful to us. Number three, courage comes when God's vision becomes our passion. And we take what's nearest God's heart and we put it nearest our own. Exodus 3, 7 and 8, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. You know, God sees the misery of our land. He sees the misery of some of you. That's why I say, give your life to Christ and follow after him and let his word live in sight of you. I, I've heard them crying, God says, out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the land that Joshua and Caleb walked into. Now, Joseph never, excuse me, Moses never dreamed of being the deliverer but God used him. He took the passion that he had and put it inside the heart of Moses. Why? Because God knew that in the depth of Moses' soul, he would be concerned for the Israelites, his people. See, when God calls you, he already knows your DNA. When God asks you to do something, when God impresses on your heart a need for something or someone, he already knows what's inside of you. That's why we have to trust him so much. I love what, what Frederick Buchner says. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and world's deepest hunger coincide. Think about our church. Think about your life, your ministry, your, your family's ministry. See, the place God calls you to is where there's a deep gladness in your heart to serve and do a certain thing, and it happens to, to coincide or to blend with the passion of God along with the deep hunger of our world. Uh, simply said, we find a need and we fill it in Jesus' name. We find a concern and we fill it in Jesus' name. There are lots of things that we can be doing. Even now, we're trying to grow our tech team. Some of you may be uh, desirous of, of coming and learning how to run cameras and, and run sound. I mean, it takes several people every Sunday to do all the things that we're doing. And I'm so grateful for this incredible media team. They're doing a fabulous job. But maybe you want to join us. I was driving around our town the other day just looking at, well, sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody, all the weeds everywhere. I mean, there's weeds on property. There's even weeds on city property that needs to be dealt with. And uh, some of us are looking at days where we can go out practicing social distancing and just clean up some weeds. What would that be like? Well, it'd be the heart of God for us. And there's some of you that desperately need to just reach out through social media or through a phone call uh, or through social distancing and let your neighbors know that you're there to care for them in the midst of all that we are facing. You know what? Micah 6.8, as we finish up today, Micah 6.8 tells us really how to live. It's a very familiar verse, and if you're an old-time church member, you might remember even singing a song with these words in it. He's shown you, O mortal or O man, 
What is good and what does the Lord require of you? Question. Oh, here's the answer. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And part of that humility with your God is taking care of those issues on the inside. Part of that humility with God is allowing his courage to become your courage. Allowing his faithfulness to become your faith. Allowing God to do in you what you cannot do in yourself. What a great filter for us to live with. And here's the filter. If I'm going to respond to somebody, is my response just? Hmm. Is my response merciful? Is my response a sign of my humility before God? Before I send that email, before I respond with that phone call, before I respond with that Facebook post or Instagram reply, what am Hmm. Am I living a just life? Am I being merciful? Am I walking humbly with God? See, those are keys to our life being a life of courage, where we walk by faith, where we live by courage, where we keep our eyes on God. Faith is walking to the edge of all the knowledge you have and taking one more step. Trust means moving into the unknown, the undefined. It's a step where you walk through an open door in the reliability of a God, a God that you know is moving on the other side. I love the Faith Hall of Fame. It reminds us how to live. Now, our name can't be added to this Bible, but your name can be added to the legacy of people who trusted God, who walked by faith, and who lived in courage. Let's pray together. God, thank you for these dear people who gather with me today. I'm so grateful that we can gather like this. And I know that you're working in our midst. Even when we don't see that you're working, you're working. And so, Lord, I pray again that we would be people who would walk by faith, who would live in courage, who would keep our eyes set upon you. For you have great and mighty things in store for us. Heal our hearts, Lord. Heal our unbelief, Lord. Heal our insecurity, God, and help us to live secure in you. And Lord, last but not least, break our heart with what breaks yours. May that passion that you have for this world and for each person become a part of our passion where we live out your vision. And we say this, Lord, without reservation. We need you, God like never before. Fill us, use us, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, for some of you, this is your day to decide. I'm coming back around to the challenge. What's keeping you from believing in the Lord? This could be the day you decide to give your life to Jesus, and we want to celebrate it with you. So if you would text Decide Jesus, all one word, Decide Jesus, to 555-888, we will celebrate with you. And we had people do this recently where there were questions that you had about faith. Uh, A couple of people texted us and we were able to talk with them. Some of you were able to receive some materials from us to help you get started. So if you're on the brink of deciding Jesus, but you still have questions, would you go ahead and text us? When you get a reply, reply back. I have questions. We'll reach out to you because we want to serve you in any way that we can. 
Also, if you have any prayer requests, let us know. Our prayer team is always standing by. We want to pray with you and agree with you that God will do great things in your life and bring healing to you as well. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.